Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Corinne Oliver and I am your speaker for this morning. I am bringing you the word of God from Micah chapter 2, seeing the world through God's eyes. I kind of feel like um, my job's done because having the M10 girls seeing the world through their eyes, it's just been amazing, hasn't it? Seeing like like excitement and seeing how God has changed them. You know, I remember um, when Rachel came back and she had been her first time and she she said, oh, I don't want to speak. But when she got up here, there was no stopping her because she was just anointed through God and she was just inspiring. And she inspired another four young people to go with her. So who's going next year, you know? And just, they've got the the T-shirts on and it says, Homes of Hope. And when I was reading the back of them, you know, I was moved to tears because they're here now and they're in their own home. And the families have got a home. And I just thought, how amazing is that? That a family may have been sleeping rough or may have had nowhere to go. And yet now, because of the M10 work and all girls and everybody else who gives up their time and goes and builds homes... It's just wonderful, and it is. It's seeing the world through God's eyes. And God, I think, you know, and in fact, I know, God would have been pleased with the work of their hands. And as Katie said, it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful to be used by God, to feel that God has used you to bless somebody else. So getting back to the book of Micah, to see the world through God's eyes. In the book of Micah, Micah, He's a prophet, and he's a prophet of God. And God uses Micah to go to his people of Israel and Judah, and he tells them to stop what they're doing. Because at that time, the government was wicked, and they were, they were stealing people's inheritance. They were being awful to widows. They were being awful to, to children. And they were just living for themselves. They were living in sin. And that is the wonder of God. In our humanness, when we would see that and would see such a wicked generation and the government so corrupt, we would probably pray prayers of asking God to do something drastic, remove the government, even smite them. Maybe, I don't know. But God, give them a chance to change. He sent Micah and he sent sent Micah the prophet with a warning, telling them to repent, to change of their ways. It's not too late. Change what you're doing. And when I was praying and thinking about bringing this word to you a few weeks ago, the word repent kept coming to my mind and coming in my prayer life. And I sat down before God and I asked, Is, what do I need to repent of? What, what, you know, as Paul said this morning, often we don't have to look very far because we are sinful people. But when I was deep in prayer, God brought something to mind and he brought my own heart attitude which was wrong I work in a home for young women aged 16 to 25 and they've had really difficult and sometimes horrendous lives and I have a young woman in there at the moment, she's older than the rest and my heart attitude to her has been wrong 
And I was wondering about this, and I had to repent of it, and I had to ask God for forgiveness. And this morning, I want to ask you yourselves, is there anything in your life that you need to repent of? Is there anything in your life that you need to change? Is there anything in your life that stops your relationship with God flourishing? God is a God of forgiveness, and he won't hold it against us when we ask him for forgiveness for our own wrong attitudes. Well, as I was praying with this girl, I went to work, praying about this girl, I went to work, and I knew my heart had been wrong. So I was praying for God's strength and for his wisdom and understanding for myself. Why had it been wrong? Why was I struggling with her? I'd never, this had never happened to me before in the workplace, or I don't think anywhere. So I was needing God. I was needing his guidance. The lady I'm working with is very difficult. She's not easy. And I was trying to see her through God's eyes. I was trying to see when she is aggressive, when she's angry, and when she won't talk. What has made her this way? And I believe it's our life experiences. I believe it's this is how she has survived. And when I read her reports, which I hadn't done, she has had a pretty horrific life. Violence and rejection. So I was trying to love her. Now, it's easy to love the people who you love and when you get love back. It's very difficult to love someone who actually openly seems to oppose you, who openly seems to, to curse you, to bring you down. Well, again, trying to see her through God's eyes. So I was asking God just for a way and just for something that I could, she could maybe trust me or I, I could help her with something. Well, the other day I was at work and I was alone working and I'd been out and I'd been with a little one and I'd, I'd been really trying and I'd come back in and I was like, oh, just help me because it was a struggle because, again, she was openly opposing everything I suggested. So then I went through and I got my lunch and I came back through the, the, the dining room. She was there and she says, are you having your dinner? And I went, yes. And I said, have you had your dinner? And she's like, yes, I've eaten. Right, okay. And when I went to the office, I sat down, and seconds later, she knocked on the door and said, Can you give us a hand with something? And I was like, My first attitude was, Well, I'm having my dinner. And I thought, I've been with you all morning, you didn't want us now, I'm sitting down for my dinner, and then you're coming and you're asking us. And she went, Oh, it doesn't matter. And I thought, Hang on a minute, I'm praying for the right hard attitude, I'm praying for Wayne, I'm praying that God will help us. And the first opportunity I get, my selfishness kicks in. I put my lunch down and I went and I said, what do you need help with? I said, and she says, I thought you were eating. I said, it doesn't matter. I says, come on. I says, tell us what you need help with. And she went, I want to bake a cheesecake. <laughs> well, do you know when you're just world stands still and you're filled with dread? Because those of you who know me well know I cannot bake. I cannot bake to save my life. So I know God has a sense of humor. And I just went, really? And she went, Yeah. And it was only me at work, and I went, oh, I says, right, and she says, I've got a, I've got a box. I went, oh, well, that, that's good, that's good. <laughs> we'll read the instructions, great. I mean, last year, we had a baby shower at church for all the mums, and some of the mums are here with their babies, and they've turned one, and it was lovely. 
my daughter, the week before the baby shower, while they're aunties and were eating muffins, and they were lovely big fluffy muffins, and she just said to me, and she was heavily pregnant, she said, Mom, could you bake some muffins for the baby shower? I'd really like that. And I went, oh, yeah, of course. I think I was carried away in the moment. I don't know why I said yes, because I really can't bake. So I went, oh, yeah, of course. Well, I forgot. So I thought, it doesn't matter. I'll buy some muffins. And I'll, I'll icing in them, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell people I've, I've, I haven't made them, but I'll put icing on them, and they'll be fine. Well, I forgot. And on the night before the baby show, I flew down to Sainsbury's. There was nothing left. There was only all them tiny little packs of fairy cakes. So I thought, them will do. So I bought, like, 48 of them, because they were so small, I was thinking, I'll get them. And I bought icing, and I was, keep, I was driving home in the car thinking, well, how hard can it be to icing something? How hard can it be? And I'd bought food colouring. So my first batch of icing, I was knocking it up, and I was whisking away, right? And it was dead, dead watery when I poured on the first sort of, like, 18 cakes. And it was running down the side of the cake, and I was like, oh, it'll be all right, it'll be fine. So then the next batch, I'd done blue icing for the blue ones, and I put some food colouring in, well it looked a bit like wishy-washy, so I put a bit more in, still put a bit, even before I knew it, I'd used a full bottle of food colouring, and it t- I tasted the ice, and I thought, I think I might poison people, <laughs> but I thought, it'll be alright, I'll only do 12 of them ones, but the ice was still dead, really, and it still had like little fluffy lumps in, but I thought, it'll be alright, so I put them on the bench, and then I'd done the pink ones. And the pink was cerise pink. And they just like hit you when you went in the kitchen. They were bright pink. And when my daughter came in, she went, <gasps> and she just didn't see anything. And she went, <gasps> and I said, are you what? I thought she was going into labor. And she went, are they more muffins? <laughs> and I went, yeah, thinking Isha's going to say, how wonderful, how lovely. And she went, Ina. And that was it. And she went out. And I was like, what does she mean? Ina, Ina. I thought, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. I kept thinking to myself, when they're on a cake stand. That was, me, that, was, that was me thought. I don't know why I was thinking it, but I thought, the minute these get on a cake stand, they're going to rise by two inches. The icing's going to be wonderful. It's not going to look like a dirty grey and a bright, sickly pink and a wishy-washy white. They're just going to be wonderful, vibrant colours. Next morning, because I'd done it the night before being organised, next morning they were stuck to the bench. The icing had stuck. I was chiseling them off, you know, one of them spatulas. Anyway, I get them in a box, gets to the church, opens the church, opens the door of the car, and I drop the box. They were dotting around all over Chowdy, and I was like, oh, here. I managed to save a few. I, I, I do have photos, but my phone locked, so I will promise you I'll show you the photos. You'll, you'll just be astounded. They'll be awesome in your eyes. So... I put them on the cake stand, and when I looked at them, I just, I was absolutely became hysterical, because I was thinking, eh, the kind of not the muffin I think my daughter was asking for. So, I tasted the blue one, yeah, and I had to keep going across and putting them on my plate, and then putting them in the bin, because I knew they would poison people, and there was little kids, and you know, like, little kids will just, like, have a taste of anything, um, so I was like, sneaking them out and I was keep saying to people I knew um, I, I wouldn't eat them I think them I think them might be a little bit off them and they were like who's made them what and my niece went what are them that's that was her and she's 12 and I says the auntie's muffins and she went eh no and that's all I got so getting back to the lady when she said to me I want to bake a cheesecake I said eh no <sighs> we read the box 
We didn't have any scales. The scales had broke. The battery was out of one. I was hunting high and low around the house for the scales. There was, was just none. And so I says, right. I says, we'll have to guess the butter. And she was like, right. And I, I was wanting her to guess it. And she just said, well, can you guess it? And I was like, all right, then. Thing. And we opened the butter. I was full of toast crumbs. I was like, mm, do you know? So I was trying to salvage some around it. Anyway, we got the butter in and I melted it in a pan. The biscuits were already in the packet. Now, and then I was suddenly, I came back into my own thing and, you well, how hard is this? How hard is this? Two, two packets to make a cheesecake and a bit of butter? We put the bread and we put it in one of them um, tin things. As you can see, I'm so technical this morning. And we put that paper on, we crushed the crumbs in, and we put the butter and we mixed it in. Then we put it in the fridge, and then we started with the icing. She has a little one, so the little one was mixing and mixing with me, and I was singing the mixing song with them. Mixing, mixing, mixy, mixy, moo, moo. Right, so we mixed away. Hey, I absolutely loved it, the little one. Great, and I says, right, you have to wait 15 minutes, according to the box. I says, and then you have to put the, the icing thing on. Right, great. The cheesecake makes some icing. So she was like, right. After 10 minutes, she came banging on the office door and said, it's messed up. And I was like, oh, no. I said, what? What's messed up? And she was like, the cake. And I was like, you've only waited 10 minutes. And she says, no, I've timed it. It's 15. I'm sure it was still 10. But anyway, oh, the cheesecake was sticking to the crumbs and it was just like a big ball of cheesecake mess in the middle of this crummy thing and the little one was looking at us as if to say what have you done and I was like we'll, we'll work it out we'll work it out so I got a spoon I was trying to spoon it and I just made it worse and it just it wrapped itself around the spoon and all the cake crumb mixture was just in the cheese and just like a big ball of mess so I says why don't we just put it in the fridge let it set and then I said, because, you know, this is what it looks like in your tummy anyway, to the little one. Well, you know, he was not buying into this. And I was like, oh, I cannot believe it. So in any case, it did set. She curried it up and she put it in a bowl. And then we sprinkled it with chocolate. <laughs> and it tasted lovely. So <laughs> I could not believe it. And I was thinking later on, I was, I was praying that night. And I just thought, God, I do believe you have a sense of humor. And the next day, when I went in, I, I seen her and I said, look, I said, I'm going to buy some scales. I'm going to buy another box. Let's not go ahead of myself here with measuring and eggs and things like that. No, I'm buying another cheesecake mix. And when I get the scales next week in another box, we'll do it. And we'll do it as many times till it works. And then she just walked away from us. And I thought, well, my heart attitude is right. If she's not willing to engage well, I cannot help it. And I prayed all day and I prayed all day. And then when I was leaving, and I was leaving work, she said, Corinne, and I turned around to her and thanks for that. I find it hard to read. I couldn't believe it. She can't read the instructions. You know, that's saying the world through God's eyes but it started weeks beforehand being in the presence of God and having a repentant heart because I knew my heart attitude was wrong and again I'll say this this morning get right with God get right with God because when you get right with God things change I want to read you a quote and it's from Fish and Monroe and them right case studies 
and then say, them say, one of the most common problematic tendencies in the human thinking is our failure to review judgments and plans once we have formed a view on what is going on. We fail to notice or to dismiss the evidence that challenges that picture. And I think so often in our life, we fail to, to change what we think. We think something about somebody and that's it, it's set in stone. But it's not with God. God, God doesn't think that about, say, the drug addict. God doesn't think, well, that's it, he's an addict for all his life. He can change, he can change with the, this, the strength of God, with the strength of prayers, with the right support and willingness in him. The same for the alcoholic, the same for the, the people who suffer depression. God doesn't see them that it's set in stone, he sees them a different way. And I think once we sort of view and see people through God's eyes, it changes our view of things. Do you need to change this morning? Do you need to change your view on, on somebody, on a situation, on something that may be going on in your life, on somebody else's life? Or do you need to, to revamp your prayer life? Do you need to start praying for those people? Remember when you were first a Christian and you prayed for those people and you, you were going to see them saved, you were going to see them changed, and suddenly as the years have gone on, you've realized you've stopped praying for them. Do you need to re-pray for them? Do you need to go back you know, and start praying again? We went to the pictures um, last week and we went to see the boxing movie called South Pole. Um, it's a weepy. You wouldn't think boxing was a weepy, but it's a weepy. So the main character calls, is called Billy Hope. And in the story, he has to change his style of boxing in order to win. And when I was watching it, he, he, it it's real difficult for him to change because he's, he's been this way all his life. And then suddenly they're saying to him, you can't be this way. And it, I just was thinking later on that night when I went home, sometimes we need to change. We've been a certain way, we've thought certain things all our life. And then suddenly God breaks in and thinks, that's not right. I don't want you to think like that anymore. I don't want you to think that it's hopeless. I don't want you to think that you can't change Gateshead because you can. I don't want you to think that you can't change your street because you can. I don't want you to think that you can't change your husband, your wife, your children. And not change to control them, changing them so that they can come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And that's through our persistence in prayer where it begins again with us. It begins with our heart attitude. And like Mike, I was saying, was saying to the people, it begins with you. Stop being corrupt. Stop doing wrong things. Stop stealing. Stop doing what you're doing because God is giving you a chance here to come back into fellowship and a relationship with him. And John said last week, we are New Testament people. We have the privilege, the honor of knowing Jesus. And we know Jesus the people who are here this morning who are Christians know fundamentally Jesus came to earth, grew up, he had a three-year ministry, he died on a cross for our sins, he rose again, and he's coming back again. That is the truth that we know and we live by. We know Jesus. We are New Testament people. And in New Testament people, it should bring a change. We are born again of the Holy Spirit. John said, get right with God. 
And when we are right with God, and these are the words that John spoke last week, and they've stayed with me all week, it says, he said, we have a role in life to play, to shine like bright lights and stars in this generation in which we live. We are meant to display by our lives, by the words we spoke, we are God's people. Stand for truth and righteousness, and that will draw people to God. We are New Testament people, and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. In Micah, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, but they had a promise. At the end of chapter 2, these are the verses I shall read to you. I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like flock in its pasture. The place will throb with people. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. So God was saying in the end of chapter 2, Look, come to me, I will gather you, but you have to make the first step to me. You have to come back to me. You have to repent, and I will go before you. I am the Lord your God. Now, I love that word, remnant. The word remnant means a scrap of material, just a scrap. I'm showing you bits Scraps of material are quite strong, but they're on their own. All different colours, all different shapes, all different sizes, a remnant. And God says he will gather his people. That's you, and you, and you, and you. And there will be throbbing people together, a throbbing mass of Christians together when God comes and gathers his people And when he gathers his people, this is what we'll look like. Together, the church as one. I'm showing you a quilted piece of material, all sewn together, strong, holy, as one. This is a picture of God's church now, here. It's not finished. It's got a long way to go. And it begins with us. It begins with us. First, repenting. First, being in the presence of God, saying we're sorry, checking our hearts, checking our words, checking what we say, and then God gives us the strength by the Holy Spirit to bring people to him, to bring the lost home again, to bring the lost to Jesus. And I think that is our mission. And Micah, what Micah does to us, he makes us think about our life. He makes us think about our attitudes. He makes us think, where are we going wrong? What are we doing? And then when we think of God, we think of the absolutely wonder of God, how he first loved us. He loved us first. And we are New Testament people and a New Testament people. I love that song this morning that we know Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And this morning, church, there is no turning back. There is no going back. We have decided to follow Jesus. And following Jesus, that changes us, that lights us up, that ignites us. Because why? He first loved us. Let me pray for you, Chaldean, and let me pray that there will be a change in this church, in our hearts.
Heavenly Father, we are your people. We are New Testament people. And Lord, we are thankful that you loved us. Help us examine our hearts, Lord, and change in order to bring more people into your church. In your wonderful Son's name, Jesus. Amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes. 